Greetings, everyone. Welcome to Satiate, the Boulder Nutrition Podcast. I'm Sue Van Rays, your host, functional nutritionist, food psychology specialist, and founder of Boulder Nutrition. I also lead women's wellness and yoga retreats, both locally and internationally. You can find out all about me and my work at bouldernutrition.com. My inspiration with Satiate is to offer you functional nutrition and well-being insights, to share with you case studies and stories that can act as salve for your soul, to introduce to you some of my favorite experts and special guests from all over the country, and to give you an opportunity to satiate your body, mind, heart, and soul. If you love this podcast, I would be so grateful if you head over to iTunes, subscribe so that you get updates on the latest episodes and leave a review. That way I can get the podcast out to those listeners who need it most. Today's episode is something just a little different than usual because today I am sharing a masterclass that I taught over the summer hosted by Medicine for the Soul Wellness. Medicine for the Soul Wellness is a online platform that is geared both towards the individual and corporate wellness. Tom Sutherland is the founder of Medicine for the Soul Wellness and he took over Medicine for the Soul Yoga in just 2019, right before the pandemic swept through the country. At that point, Medicine for the Soul Yoga was a brick and mortar studio in New York City. Once Tom acquired the studio, within six months he grew from a humble 11 classes per week to 45 classes per week with a team of over 30 instructors. Just two months after COVID, hit us by surprise. He began building an online platform to meet the needs and demands of those working from home and around the world. In just nine months, Medicine built a virtual platform with over 30 live classes per week and over 200 on-demand videos, as well as partnering with over eight corporate clients in order to provide their employees remote wellness, yoga, fitness, nutrition, and meditation classes. We have been having a great time collaborating over the past many months, and I've been sharing many functional nutrition, food psychology, recipe development strategies with Medicine for the Soul Wellness, including today's very first of the free masterclass series that we will be hosting over the coming months. And so I wanted to share with you this great episode on the podcast today, which is super informative and will hopefully enhance your understanding of your body, your biochemistry, and your metabolism. I hope you enjoy today's episode of Satiate. Hey, everyone. Welcome. Thank you so much for for joining us today. I hope you're having a wonderful day in the evening or afternoon or morning, wherever you are in the world. It's great to um, 
to see you. We've, we've actually had an incredible amount of interest and registration for this masterclass today. Um, and I'm just so excited. I know that, you know, Sue and I have been working on this for a couple of months, actually, and we've been uh, discussing what we would like um, the, the topic, the subject to be for today and, and just trying to bring things home, right? So just, you know, what's, what's happening, you know, with our current situation, you know, in the world and how our lifestyle has changed. And this is all things that Sue's going to get into, but I just thought it'd be really nice to, um, you know, to talk about, you know, our metabolic health um, and, and to just develop that into a masterclass, which is what Sue's going to talk about today. So I'm going to hand things over. She's got a lot of content for today. We've got a lot of polls and um, we've got uh, some nice links for you guys to check out as well. And of course, you can always reach out to Sue for, for further uh, assistance and help with your diet or anything else, you know, more wellness-based. Um, if at any point you have any questions, please type those into the webinar, into the Q&A. Um, we will leave those open. And then towards the end, we will, um, we will address all of your questions. So thank you very much. And uh, I'll hand it over to Sue. Thank you. Thank you. It's so good to be here with all of you guys, and I'm just so thrilled that we had such a great turnout today. Um, I'll just, I know some of you are folks that I've met or worked with before, and there's lots of new people here. So um, my name is Sue Van Rays, and I'm based here out of Boulder, Colorado, and I am the founder of Boulder Nutrition which was at one point a very local business uh, to Boulder, Colorado, but now over the past many years has grown into an online platform and business and is something that I cherish so deeply to work with people all over the country and even all over the world. I know we had some registrations from India and Germany and some really awesome places outside Ireland. We have Ireland here and Jamaica. That's amazing. Um, and lots of US and Canadian states and provinces. So we're so glad to have you all here. Um, so my business focuses on functional nutrition, which is really how our bodies respond to food on a cellular and clinical level. I also focus on food psychology and specialize with that as far as our relationship to food and our bodies, which many of you can relate to as something that has been challenging for you, I'm sure in the past. Um, so many of us are challenged and confused and overwhelmed with how to navigate food and body in this, in this world. It's so complicated and so many mixed messages are coming to us. So I really help women and men and clients just work with how to most effectively show up and take care of themselves, both in food and health and also in life. And then lastly, I lead women's health and yoga retreats locally and internationally. So here in Colorado and also in Bali and Costa Rica, hopefully back in action with those soon. So, um, so that's kind of a little bit about me. And when Tom and I were speaking about what we wanted to focus on for this webinar, what really stood out to me and what's really resonated with both of us is that we've gone through a lot in the last 16, 17 months. And what I've noticed is actually, you know, ironic in a way that my business has been busier than ever, even through the pandemic. And I think a lot of people have struggled with stress, with sleep, with trauma, and with the reactions to those things in our body. So when we are stressed, when we are 
you know, not sleeping well, when we're worrying about our family, when we're not sure how our businesses or our, our jobs or careers are going to come out with everything being closed down, we're often kind of falling back on these old coping skills. And these old coping skills, or maybe even new coping skills for some people can look like emotional eating, drinking more alcohol, not taking care of ourselves, spending so much time watching the news and being worried about what's happening in the world that things that are health inducing and focus on our well-being can fall to the wayside. And we're going to address that today as well. And we have this opportunity to be creating a new normal for ourselves. And the reason I say a new normal is because I think for most of us, we can look back at the pandemic and what we've gone through, and we can possibly consider like, maybe we learned something about our priorities, or maybe we learned something about ourselves when we've had to spend so much time at home. I know for me, I've really learned that some of the simplicity has worked really well for me. And it's actually been calming and peaceful to be home more and to work from home more. And, you know, there's an opportunity for us now to look back at what this pandemic and what this last 16 or 17 months has taught us. And, and rather than just go back to the way it was, what do we really want to prioritize? And what do we really want to focus on? And for many people, you know, coming back to internal biochemical balance is really a very big stepping stone towards our well being. And so many people are out of whack right now with just the ways that they've managed through stress and uncertainty and loss and grief and trauma. So today we're going to spend some time really looking into what is metabolic health, how we can eat to feel how we want to feel. And in my experience, you know, there's a lot of different approaches to enhancing our health. And many of them feel like they work for a little while. And then they often sort of fall to the wayside because they're not sustainable. Restricting our eating, counting our calories, putting ourselves into an eating style box that's really rigid just doesn't seem to work for that many people for very long. What I find is if we can learn that or how food makes us feel and we can start to equate our energy, our sleep patterns, how we are resilient with our stress and the things that, you know, can be a little bit topsy-turvy in our days, then we can actually use food to feel good. And that to me is often what is more long-term and more sustainable for people. Learning how to eat to feel good is a, a really great focus because as we go through these very significant topics and, um, you know, different kinds of elements to red metabolic health today, I just want you to consider how the food you're eating and what you're doing in your life and in your lifestyle, how that's making you feel. And sometimes it's the tiniest little hacks or the tiniest little habits, the tiny things that add up to well-being. So we don't have to take huge leaps and strides all at once. We don't have to revamp our whole life overnight. But when we start adding in these really specific elements and these foods that enhance how we feel throughout the day, 
I promise you it will stick longer than anything you've ever tried. Um, and so we're going to, you know, spend some time today really diving into metabolic health from the perspective of macronutrients and how they impact our well-being. We're going to look at some really important heavy hitters when it comes to your biochemistry and your blood sugar and how you can work with that. We're gonna look at how to trust your body's natural intelligence with your hunger and fullness. And that is something that a lot of people are confused by. We're going to look at how chronic stress relates to your metabolic health and what you can do about it. And I'm just gonna tell you, it's not what you think. And then lastly, we're gonna look at how you can feel better one meal at a time with one simple formula and an opportunity to get some really customized coaching. So are you guys ready? We've got some polls for you. We've got some links for you. Okay, so metabolism. Metabolism is something that gets thrown around a lot. We know that our metabolism is such an important chemical process that occurs within every living organism and it really helps us maintain life. So it's the foundation of almost everything, almost every function in our body, how we build energy on a cellular level, and also how we can keep our metabolism ignited and elevated and working for us rather than against us. I'm sure you've heard that as we age, our metabolism slows down. That's something that's kind of talked about a lot in the media. And while that's absolutely true, it doesn't have to be something that's weighing you down. If you know how to take care of your metabolism, it's slowing down at a very slow rate as you age, won't be anything that is hindering to your health and vitality and happiness. And there are some important, I just wanna kind of give you a couple of things that the metabolism governs. So your metabolism governs your energy throughout the day. Your metabolism governs your mood and your brain chemistry. Your metabolism governs the cravings that you have, both on a you know, food basis, but also other things that you might need in your life to feel well. Metabolism governs your body composition. Metabolism governs your sleep. And metabolism governs your focus, which I don't know if everyone often considers a metabolic um, system, but when you notice yourself having brain fog or you're kind of, you know, not able to stay on top of your tasks and you're not sharp throughout the day, often that's an imbalance in your metabolism. So as you can see, there's a, a whole array of things that's going on with metabolic health. So what I want to introduce to you today is your macronutrients. And they're kind of like the foundation of your metabolism. They are the food components and the food elements that are going to feed your metabolism in a positive or negative way, depending on how you balance them. So I'm gonna give you a little overview. And there's, there is some misconceptions about macronutrients that we'll touch on as well. So there's three primary macronutrients that we're gonna talk about throughout, throughout our masterclass. So just try to keep these three at the forefront of your thinking for the next 45 minutes. So protein is 
one of the primary three macronutrients. And protein is there to help build and preserve muscle mass. So you can maintain your muscle mass much better when you're eating protein. And proteins are very uh, complicated in some cases, macronutrient, because there's a lot of question about animal protein, plant protein, and how we can fit, you know, if we have um, a preference, whether we're vegetarian or vegan, or more on the, you know, animal protein spectrum, you know, people often ask me a lot about which is better and how they can best fuel their body with protein. And I just want to say that really, there are so many options. And protein, because it's such a foundation for your metabolic health, you know, you can draw from so many sources, including healthy animal proteins that are wild or pastured or grass fed, including plant-based proteins like chia seeds or hemp seeds or some legumes or things that are high in those really integral and essential amino acids. We've got a lot of you know, com people who use a combination of both. And what I would really encourage you to do with protein over the coming days is to just notice how different kinds of protein make you feel, how you feel after eating a bowl of lentil soup, or how you feel after eating a piece of wild salmon, or how you feel if you add protein to your smoothie in the morning, such as a high quality protein powder or some chia seeds and just get a sense of where your energy feels the most consistent and the most effective. So there's really, there's really not a one-way plant or animal-based protein approach coming at you here, more so that we all need protein and it is one of the most foundational aspects of your metabolism. Another uh, macronutrient that I wanna touch on is fat. So fats often have a bad rap in our media, especially since the 1980s when the fat-free movement was in full tilt. I feel like there's still a lot of people confused about fat, but fat is so important to keep you satiated. That's one of its main uh, benefits. So if you add fat to your meals, healthy fats, you're going to feel more satiated. And also you're going to build hormone and brain health. You're also going to flatten your blood sugar curve, which we'll talk a little bit more about shortly. And once again, a lot of confusion about what kind of fats are healthy. And the easiest, and I think the most simplified way of talking about fats is that if you find it in nature, in a healthy, natural setting, so not man-made or man-manufactured, um, then it is going to have a very important role in your body. So that includes, including saturated fats, including plant-based fats and including, um, you know, different kinds from all walks of nature. So the, the, the more you can get those good fats into your meals, the more you'll notice sustained fullness and hormone health and brain health. And it is absolutely imperative to make friends with fat and to like really figure out which ones work best for you in your body. And then lastly, carbohydrates. And so I just feel like each one of these macronutrients really has a lot of confusion when I talk to people or when I read, you know, different trends in the media. 
So carbohydrates are best found in their whole form. So unprocessed, unrefined. And that is because they're cellular. So whole is another word for cellular. And whole carbohydrates or cellular carbohydrates have a sugar and a starch wrapped around the fiber cells. And so they're going to break down slowly in your body. They're going to also keep that blood sugar level steady. And when we start to process carbs, so anytime that they're refined or pulverized or, you know, milled, they start to pulverize the fiber cell, which makes them acellular. And what that does is because that fiber is pulverized, it literally turns to sugar so much quicker in your body. Carbohydrates are defined by any food that turns to sugar. So an apple turns to sugar, your favorite pasta dish turns to sugar, a candy bar turns to sugar, and so does a sweet potato. But if you can stick to these whole carbohydrates as your macronutrients of choice, primarily, of course, I know we're all going to treat ourselves once in a while to some kind of sweet treat or processed food, but if we kind of keep that down to those special moments of treating ourselves rather than making up the primary foundation of our plate, we'll notice right there a huge change in our metabolic health. So (coughs) keeping in mind that our metabolism is going to require different combinations of macronutrients depending on the different kinds of profile each of us have, and that we can start to learn how to build our plates with these three essential uh, macronutrients and really elevate our metabolic health right there, just those three simple things. Okay, so let's go on to our next section. So the heavy hitters for your blood sugar that I want you to know about. Okay, so blood sugar, a lot of you are familiar with the term blood sugar. Maybe you're familiar with the hormone insulin. I like to call insulin the mother hormone because it impacts all the other hormones in your body. So I just want to give you a little blood sugar 101 for a couple minutes. When we eat food, the first thing that happens is we get an insulin response. So whether it's a protein or a fat or a carb or all three, and we'll talk a little bit more about vegetables in a moment, um, we automatically will secrete insulin based on the amount of glycemic index or how quickly that food turns to sugar. So if you've heard the term glycemic index, Maybe you're familiar with some foods that turn to sugar really quickly and then other foods that turn to sugar slowly. So when foods turn to to sugar quickly, we're going to have a massive insulin surge because our blood sugar is, you know, higher than it needs to be or should be. And it presents a danger to our, to our bodies. When we're in danger, of course, just like any other danger, we can actually go into a fight or flight response because our blood sugar is either too high or too low. So when your blood sugar spikes, it literally makes a peak. And every single time it makes a peak, it's followed by a crash. So when we spike our blood sugar during the day, we're always going to crash our blood sugar shortly after. Sometimes we can, you know, get in there with another food. And I'll tell you what some of those foods are to like minimize the crash. 
But every time we spike and crash, our insulin levels are up and down to try to manage our blood sugar. We can't be too high and we can't be too low. If we're too low, we can even go into a coma. So there's a lot of survival stuff going on in our body. One thing that's so interesting to me, and you probably can experience this, when you're in that spike going down into the crash, we can't really make very good decisions. In fact, there's a lot of new research out that is comparing or like really looking at how blood sugar impacts our willpower. When we're in that blood sugar crash, we can't make good decisions. So most of us are gonna reach for whatever we can to bring our blood sugar back up to a healthy, normal range. And often that's more carbs, more sugar, or something that is right in front of us. So we don't always have the time or energy to make that really conscious decision. And that leaves many of us spiking and crashing all day long. So when our blood sugar is, is on that roller coaster, we have long periods of time and sometimes chronic periods of time with elevated insulin. And although insulin does so many great things in the body, when it's elevated for long periods of time, it can impact our hormones. It triggers us to hold on to body weight. It's a storing hormone. So up and down with the blood sugar means storing fat to our bodies. Um, it also really messes with our energy. So if you notice yourself feeling like you're really tired at the end of the day, or even in the middle of the afternoon after lunch, you notice that kind of you're losing your steam. Um, maybe you get into like a, you know, grumpy or hangry mood. A lot of times we will crave sugar um, and those foods that will bring up our blood sugar quickly, but it sets up our cravings to be fairly overwhelming. And it also increases inflammation. So once we start to down-regulate our insulin and bring it back into balance, a lot of these things will self-correct. I've seen clients with chronic arthritis balance their blood sugar, lower their inflammation, and diminish their arthritis symptoms. I've seen tons of clients within just a week or two in between sessions, you know, learning some of the foundations of blood sugar and coming back with their cravings completely under control. So it's pretty impactful. And one thing that I want to say is it's not a daily experience. It's a meal by meal experience. So if you're thinking like, oh, I like to protein load at the end of the day, or, you know, I don't like to eat until two, you know, your blood sugar doesn't know that. And your blood sugar is responding moment by moment. So we have to imagine that every meal and every snack is blood sugar friendly to keep that really nice level of blood sugar. Um, so there's a few things that I want to tell you about that will either, we can call it um, blunt the blood sugar spike or elongate the blood sugar curve so that it's more of a gentle rolling hill um, and to really help us to, you know, stay in that healthy range of blood sugar throughout the day. So there's five things that I just want you to take note of that you can do at every meal or throughout the day to really help your blood sugar. The first one is to include fat at every meal. Fat lowers your blood sugar instantly. If we were to look at a bagel, a white flour bagel, and look at the glycemic index, that's how fast it turns to sugar. And let's say it's, you know, right around 150. 
And then we were to add some ghee or olive oil or some nut butter or, you know, something that had some avocado. Even on a white flour bagel, which I would never highly recommend as your primary, your primary food, but with something high glycemic like that, adding avocado or olive oil or ghee or nut butter will instantly bring it down to a moderate range. So just by adding fat, that's it. As simple as can be. Some people are worried about that because they're thinking about the calories. I'm thinking about the blood sugar and I'm thinking about your metabolic health. And I'm thinking that you won't need to eat for quite a while after you eat that because your blood sugar is stable. Protein is another way that you can elongate that curve, bring down the blood sugar and insulin response. Um, so once again, adding a healthy protein is going to be such a great, you know, you could think of that same bagel example, add your smoked salmon on top, add your fried egg on top, add, you know, one of your favorite, um, you know, hummus or some kind of legume that has good fat and protein. And then also fiber. So this is an example that a lot of people get confused about. Fiber will lower the glycemic index of the food and hence lower the blood sugar. So for example, the difference between just simply brown rice and white rice. Brown rice has the fiber and white rice doesn't. We talked about that with our carbohydrates, the cellular versus acellular um, carbohydrates. So technically, because white rice doesn't have the fiber, it would be called acellular. Brown rice would be called cellular. So when we have that fiber, it's the same with like steel cut oatmeal versus like a instant oatmeal. The fiber lowers the blood sugar response. So anytime you have the opportunity to add more fiber, it could be also something like chia seeds, or I just added flax seeds to my smoothie this morning. That's another great source of fiber. And then we've also got water. So it's just like anything. Water is such an amazing element that is so integral to our metabolism, but staying hydrated is actually gonna lower your insulin and blood sugar response. So you will have a much more healthy level of blood sugar if you are basically drinking enough water or and or electrolytes. So be sure that if this is what I use as like a last resort sometimes, if you know I ate something that I didn't know had some sweetener in it that is high on the sugar scale, and I'm like, oh goodness, like I need to do something quick. I need to do something quick to bring my blood sugar back um, into balance before it crashes. Drinking water, it's just like if you um, accidentally ate something poisonous and you drank a lot of water, it would dilute the poison in your body and help your body detox it like with, with less of an impact on your body. When you drink a lot of water, it will also dilute the blood sugar. So it's not my favorite um, antidote, but it's kind of a good 911 blood sugar response if you need to lower your blood sugar quickly. And also if you're staying hydrated throughout the day, day to day, right there, you're doing your metabolism a huge favor. And then the last one is really interesting. It's something that I hadn't, ever tested until recently, and that is exercise. So most of us are exercising regularly these days, but what I'm talking about is literally after a meal, because your body will uptake that glucose and turn it into energy. So recently when I was wearing my blood sugar monitor for a trial, the whole month of June, I noticed that when I 
did a uh, cardio workout, especially after eating, my blood sugar went down like within 20 minutes. Um, I did that with also some long walks. It went down a little bit. And I did that with, you know, a fairly rigorous yoga practice and it went down as well. Cardio was the most of a drop um, just because I think it's the most intense. So if you have, you know, a meal that's a little high in carbs and you go on an after dinner walk, you will bring down your blood sugar. If you do a, you know, high intensity workout or a more of a power yoga class, you will bring down your blood sugar. So there are lots of ways that you can do that. And I actually did a podcast all about my month wearing my continuous glucose monitor, which just ended a couple of weeks ago. So I believe that Tom's going to drop that in the, in the chat for you. So if you want to hear the podcast, cause we don't have time to go into that today, you can head over to that and check it out later on. And it's called these levels are everything. Okay. So we've got our next point. And that is how can we refine and trust our body's natural intelligence with hunger and fullness? So what I want you to consider is that your body is intelligent, but when you're biochemically off balance, your body's cues are also going to be off balance. So it makes it really hard to listen to our body when our cravings are going crazy and we're not sleeping well and we're stressed and we're run down. And then we're our bodies are telling us to eat comfort food and to do things that we know are not good for us. When we're craving sugar, we might be like, I know this isn't good for us, but my body is telling me that I need to eat something sweet. When you bring your body back into balance biochemically via your blood sugar, via these macronutrients and your metabolic health, then you can really begin to trust the intelligence of your hunger and fullness. So there's two primary hunger and fullness hormones I just want to mention today. Some of you have heard of these, ghrelin and leptin. Ghrelin is the hormone that tells you when you're hungry. And leptin is the, hung, the hormone that tells you when you're satiated. Okay, so basically if they're working well, you're gonna get that gentle gnawing in your stomach that says, okay, I think it's time to eat soon. I also wanna point out it shouldn't be urgent. If it's urgent, that's usually a blood sugar crash. But you know, if you're sitting at your desk and you're like, yeah, I think I'm gonna finish this email and maybe wrap up this other, you know, project I'm doing and go grab some lunch in 30 minutes. That's like a healthy level of hunger where you, you know, it's there, but it's not, it's not urgent. And same with your fullness. There's some really interesting things that can cue your body when you're satiated. One of them is just simply, you know, the pleasure and the, the taste and the sensation of your food actually changes. So you might notice that what you're eating tastes really good at first. And as the taste changes towards the end of your meal, all of a sudden you're just kind of like, I think I've had enough of that. I don't really want any more of that. I'm done. You can also watch for this really cool sign that I like to call the satiate sigh. And it's when you're sitting at the dinner table and you sit back in your chair and you just kind of exhale. 
That's your body telling you that you're satiated. And these little tiny cues can start to become really, you know, informative. You can also notice just a little bit of pressure in your stomach, like, oh, I'm just gently full. And, you know, these can really help you to trust the intelligence of your body. Um, and there is a phenomenon that I just want to say when we're really out of balance or we haven't really had this, the nutrients or the satiation we need, and we've really cut off those hunger and fullness cues, there is this concept called interoception. And it's where we're not really able to pick up on them. So if you're noticing like, I have no clue when I'm hungry or full, you might be someone who's having a little interoceptive trouble. And I just wanna say that that's actually pretty common and it can totally be reversed. But to get it in that reversal, it's important that you balance your macros, balance your blood sugar, and really start working with your, you know, daily rhythm of food so that your body starts to develop, you know, a, a circadian rhythm. And you can also use a mind body practice, such as yoga or meditation to really up the level of your interoception. So quickly, I want to just mention, there's a couple things that really impact your ghrelin and leptin, stress, lack of sleep, and elevated blood sugar. And I just wanna tell you what they do because I think it will be enlightening, especially after the pandemic. So many of us have been comfort eating and emotional eating. And so many of us have been eating food we don't normally eat. And it's actually having a biochemical effect on your ghrelin and leptin. And it's also not your fault. I have so many clients who feel so much shame, so much guilt, are just going through this whole inner battle with you know some of the behaviors that have surfaced and it's often biochemical, there's nothing you can do about it. Um, so stress and lack of sleep both increase ghrelin and decrease leptin. So I just wanna tell you that in layman's terms, increased ghrelin means that you're gonna be hungrier and decreased leptin, that means you're not gonna be as satiable. So when you don't sleep well and you have stress in your life, which many of us have had this past year, you're going to start craving comfort food and you're not going to be as satiated with your normal serving size. It's biochemistry. And then lastly, when you have elevated insulin, this is, I think this is a phenomenal like connection to make. When you have elevated insulin, you block your leptin. It's called leptin resistance. Now I'm not saying if you have elevated insulin for one day, if you have chronic elevated insulin, you block your leptin and you become leptin resistant and you notice that you're never satiated. And you think that you're this overeater and you can't get control of yourself. And you feel like, you know, all the feels that go along with that, you, maybe you gain weight, maybe you feel guilty, maybe you don't understand why you're just craving, craving, craving. When you balance your blood sugar, in a pretty short amount of time, you bring it down, you bring the leptin down, or the, you bring the insulin down and the blood sugar down, and you increase the leptin back to where it's supposed to be. So hopefully that helps you to understand a little bit about what's going on with your hunger and fullness hormones, and that you can learn to trust them over time via balancing your macros and balancing your blood sugar.
Now I just want to talk a little bit about stress because stress, as I mentioned, makes us crave comfort food. And there's two primary stress hormones that we're going to talk about today, cortisol and adrenaline. Most of us have had some growth with cortisol and adrenaline this year, some elevation in our lives throughout the pandemic, whether it's because you've had to homeschool your kids or you couldn't see your family or you've been lonely or you've been worried about people who are sick or you've been sick yourself. Most of us have had higher levels of cortisol and adrenaline throughout the pandemic. And when someone says to you, okay, diminish your stress, manage your stress. I know that so many of us are just like rolling our eyes. Like how can we diminish our stress? when we have this thing going on that we have no control over? How can we diminish our stress when we have a situation that is so out of our control? And whether that's the pandemic or something going on in your home life or something going on in your work life or your family life, it's really hard to just diminish our stress. Um, and so I just wanna to touch on that for a second. Cortisol in a good situation will help us to actually deal with, you know, the stressor by releasing glucose and from the liver and helping you get more energy and get into that fight or flight response. So does adrenaline. When we have these elevated levels of cortisol and adrenaline over the long term, which we're not supposed to have, we have elevated glucose. We have elevated blood sugar. So we feel like all these symptoms of high blood sugar, maybe we're craving comfort food, maybe our leptin resistance is kicking in, maybe we're feeling like our body composition is changing. All these things that we're storing body fat, all these things are happening and just because we're stressed. So rather than try to only diminish your stress, and I surely encourage you to take a little look at it, maybe you can you know, have a conversation with someone or do something to enhance you know, a relationship you have in your life or change your job or whatever it is that you can do to, you know, make the most of managing the stress, there's also this other way. And that is oxytocin. Oxytocin is a hormone. Many of you've heard of it. it's kind of like the cuddle hormone or the warm and fuzzy hormone. And it acts like a neurotransmitter in your brain. And it actually lowers cortisol and adrenaline. So therefore, it can even reverse insulin resistance. And studies show that it lowers your blood sugar, even if you're diabetic. In fact, they did a whole study on diabetics and oxytocin, and they the, the conclusion was lowered um, insulin levels, lowered blood sugar levels. And so what that really means in layman's terms is pleasure. What that really means in layman's terms is what can you do to increase the pleasure in your life? What can you do to feel better? And it might just mean turning on a comedy, or it might mean spending more time in nature, or it might mean asking for a hug or, you know, taking a nap or eating some dark chocolate or gardening or giving yourself extra time to sleep on the weekends or what have you. So pleasure, pick your pleasure. This will absolutely not only combat elevated cortisol and adrenaline, but it will also lower your blood sugar and insulin levels and increase your quality of life. Okay, so how to start to feel better one meal, meal at a time with one simple formula. Okay, so we've talked a lot about macronutrients today. We haven't talked much about micronutrients. I'm gonna throw that in here in a moment. 
And I'm gonna give you a basic formula or template that you can use to feel satisfied longer, to elongate your blood sugar curve, to eat the foods that are most nourishing for you, to support your hormone production, to feed your microbiome and promote gut health, and to experience a healthy body composition. So that covers a lot, but it's all part of your metabolism and your metabolic health like really governs all of these different aspects. Okay, so I wanna talk a little bit about vegetables because we haven't talked about those yet. And they're not actually classified, non-starchy vegetables are not actually classified as a micro macronutrient. They are consisting of micronutrients or phytonutrients that really stimulate the release of antioxidants and enzymes that really help with free radical damage in the body, which is toxicity, and they also combat inflammation. So we're gonna talk about our three macronutrients and vegetables. And these are vegetables that don't turn to sugar. So yes, sweet potato is a vegetable, but it does turn to sugar, so it's a carbohydrate. Same with potatoes, same with squash, like winter squash. Same with root vegetables, like cooked beets or celery root or rutabaga. Same with cooked carrots. Those are all starchy vegetables that are carbohydrates. So when we look at our plates, and I'm, I'm basically talking about every meal because as I said, insulin is a meal by meal um, release. And so when our plates are designed in a way that's gonna support our blood sugar and insulin levels, then our insulin's happy, our blood sugar is happy in between meals and will also be satiated longer. So you'll, you'll, note, you'll notice that you're just not kind of grabbing for something. At home here, we notice that anytime our kids don't eat one macronutrient, especially carbs or especially protein at a meal, they are just back in the kitchen like a half hour later. So I've tested it on my kids so many times, like, okay, we're gonna have chicken and broccoli for dinner. And, you know, they're getting protein and fat and a vegetable. They're back in the kitchen because there was no carb. If you feed your kids pasta with tomato sauce and salad, they'll, you're, they're, they're not going to be satiated because there's no protein there, no fat in there. So what we want to do is compose our plates of all three macronutrients and non-starchy vegetables. And so what I want you to do is visualize your plate as like a circle with two quarters at the top, like you would have those little picnic plates for kids and half at the bottom, okay? And I want you to imagine that you're gonna put, and this is kind of a generic um, version of customized metabolic uh, profile. Um, so if you want something more detailed, I can definitely work with you one-on-one -on -one to get your exact formula. But what we want at the top in those two quarters, we want a carbohydrate in its whole form if possible. So let's call that some butternut squash. And then let's put on the other side, a protein and a fat. So let's call that for now. Maybe we'll either say some chicken thighs or um, you know, some, uh, I have a hemp tabbouleh recipe that I love. It's made of hemp seeds instead of couscous. So that's got some really good plant protein in it. And if those two are about the same size, that's a good start. You've got fat and protein over here. You've got carbs over here. Okay, and then underneath that whole half of the plate that's left, that is such fair game for um, non-starchy vegetables. And if you can get, and I'm not joking, three cups measured raw of non-starchy vegetables at every meal, you're gonna feel fantastic. 
So if you were to take, for example, three cups of baby spinach and you measured it raw, and then you steam it up, you're probably gonna end up with like a half a cup, right? Because spinach shrinks down so much. So don't feel intimidated by, you know, measuring it raw, feel free to cook it afterwards. In fact, that's even easier on your digestion. And then, you know, but you measure it raw for those three cups. Now we might not always get to three cups at every meal, but it's surely a great goal. And believe me, I can pack pretty close to three handfuls, three cups of greens into my morning smoothie, no problem. Okay, so let's do another one. Let's say we have some wild rice as your carb and some wild salmon as your protein and fat, lots of good fat and wild salmon. And then underneath you've got a whole bunch of really good roasted broccoli and zucchini. And you measured it three cups raw and then you roasted it so it shrunk down. It's probably like one and a half to two cups of vegetables. If you have a big salad, and you are looking at your plate, you have that big salad, you've got lots of nuts and seeds in there. Maybe you've got some protein, some roasted tofu or some um, grilled chicken on top. And you've got lots of good avocado and olive oil for a dressing and some yummy superfood toppings like some you know, sprinkled hemp seeds or some toasted pumpkin seeds on top. You're good. You've got all of your macronutrients. Maybe you have some pomegranate seeds in there for a carb or you have some roasted sweet potato in there for a carb or even an apple on the side for a carb and you've got yourself a really great meal. So that formula can really become your baseline. And that formula actually comes from the Harvard Medical School. And I really love to customize the actual ratios for people, but because I can't do that for everyone, this is my go-to for, you know, giving you kind of a main, like, as mainstream as we can, like that meets the needs of almost every person to the, to, to the degree that we can without customizing your plate. So macronutrients, protein, fat, and carbs, vegetables at every meal, and you'll be full of all those blood sugar balancing nutrients, good fats. You'll be full of the micronutrients and the phytonutrients in the vegetables that help alkalize your system and give you so much good energy and all those great vitamins and minerals that are so essential to our health. You work with that basic template of equal parts, protein and fat plus carbohydrates, lots of vegetables. If you can get to that three cups, you're golden. You'll be elongating your blood sugar curve. You'll be feeling satisfied longer. You're going to feel like your energy comes back, your satiation, it returns because your leptin comes back on board your body composition improves, your cravings improve, your focus improves, your mood improves, all those things we talked about at the beginning that metabolic health governs and you know things start to work better. You can then trust the intelligence of your body and you can start to notice, you might not even need as much food as you're eating because you're gonna be more satiated for longer. So sometimes, I'll even just have a little bit of something um, and I'll be completely fine for hours because I hit the balance. You can do that with a smoothie. I'll tell you, I kind of have half of my smoothie here today. Um, and really what's in there, same thing. This morning, strawberries, that's a carb. Kale is my vegetable. I've got some nut milk. I've got some low temperature, you know, pure protein powder and collagen powder. 
got some flax seeds and all of that meets the mark for all of those macronutrients, the vegetables. And, you know, it's been a couple of hours. I didn't even finish my smoothie because um, I didn't need to because it was so satiating. And so I naturally just stopped. And I think that just shows you like you naturally just stop because your body's telling you it's time. So we have, um, I did put together a little metabolic health package for you. Um, if you want some one-on-one -on -one support, because I know that there's a lot of you out there that are like, okay, I haven't heard of some of this before. I really want to learn like what my body needs in, in particular to my customized metabolism. It's called metabolic mastery. And you just get a few, four sessions privately with me and a metabolic profile that goes over all of your um, metabolic needs in a really customized way, what your ratios are and how you can implement that with the best foods for your system. We'll also talk about superfoods that work for you. And in our follow-up email, we're gonna put a list of some really helpful superfoods. Some of them are gonna be good for blood sugar. Some of them are gonna be good for stress. Some of them will boost oxytocin. And some of them are gonna give you extra fiber or extra good fat or things that your body needs that you can really pick and choose to make your food as customized to feeling good as you can. And, you know, once again, like when we learn what makes us feel good and we start to really experience it, we don't want to go back. We don't want to go back because we know how bad things can feel. And I think that's, you know, what this masterclass, that's the foundation of it. Watch, become a detective, learn how your body works learn what foods are your superfoods, learn what you need to feel your best. And, you know, there's lots of little spokes of the wheel here. I mean, that we could go on and on, but I just want to keep it simple for you. You can eat to feel good. You can learn what that means for yourself. And, you know, we're here to help you in any way that we can. So we have a little bit of time for questions. And um, I think, yeah, I think that's what's next. I think we hit everything. Um, yeah, so we do have a question, Sue, and this is actually a great one. I had it myself. Um, oh, great. This is the question. So wouldn't exercising after a meal result in bloating or cramping? Yeah, so of course, eating and then exercising really heavy can be challenging for a lot of people. And I don't want to recommend that as like a daily habit. I find when I have a morning smoothie, I'm great to exercise afterwards or do a yoga practice. In fact, I don't like to exercise on an empty stomach because I'm too sensitive blood sugar wise. And often I'll notice my blood sugar drop pretty quickly. And, you know, then I kind of lose my steam really fast. So if I do a smoothie, I feel like because it's kind of pre-digested, it, it helps me to have energy for a workout. Um, but this is more like, let's say you just want to go on an after dinner walk or, you know, do some yin yoga or some, you know, like if you were dancing, for example, at a wedding, you would notice that you're burning that glucose. Um, but you're right, it's not ideal, but it does work. And so it's going to lower your glucose levels. Some people are going to notice bloating is more of a side effect than others. I know many people who can exercise on a full stomach, and many people who can't. So it's really up to how your body responds. But regardless of the digestive aspect of it, it definitely will lower your blood sugar. Yeah, hopefully that helps. Um, 
here's another question. If lack of sleep cannot be avoided for some reason, what are ways to cope and not eat to stay awake during the day? So I think that what you can do is if you're craving food and craving comfort food, we're all gonna crave comfort food sometimes um, when we don't sleep. And the best thing you can do is try to elevate the ingredients in the food you're eating. So for example, I have a really great recipe on my website for caveman cookies. And they're cookies made with almond flour or hazelnut flour, coconut oil, Lily's chocolate chips, which are stevia sweetened, um, you know, and a couple other ingredients and no sugar. They taste delicious. Um, and so that would be something where I might substitute like, oh, I'm craving comfort food. Maybe I'll have a caveman cookie or last night I had a cup of cacao from Four Sigmatic uh, with rice little cacao powder that I have. And that really helped, but it was also still good for sleep and also still, you know, <clears throat> health inducing. So I think it's helpful to have some healthy comfort food in your house, something that you can reach for that isn't going to throw your system into a tailspin, but that you can still address. I mean, I remember when I first got our dog a few years ago, um, you know, she was waking up in the middle of the night, you know, for the first week or two. And I was definitely like, wow, like I haven't been woken up in the middle of the night like this since my kids were babies. And um, anyways, I was craving comfort food like crazy. So I was like, okay, what can I do to eat comfort food that feels good in my body? That is good ingredients. And I think that's the best way to go. Dark chocolate that comes from high quality sources with natural sweetens, sweeteners such as stevia. Lily's makes great, you know, chocolate that doesn't have any sugar in it. Um, and that can be something helpful. Any other questions? Let's see. Probiotics. Yeah. So yes, definitely probiotics are so important for the gut microbiome. And if we're eating food that is more imbalanced, less of the sugar spectrum, lower on the carb or, ace, or the acellular carbs, those processed carbs, um, then we're not going to be feeding the bad bacteria. Instead, we're going to be feeding the good bacteria. So we'll be getting lots of good fiber, all the prebiotics that we need to feel or to fuel our microbiome in a positive way. So right there, that's going to help. Regardless if you're taking a probiotic or not, the sugar in your food feeds the bad bacteria, the fiber and the prebiotics in whole foods feeds the good bacteria. So right there, that's already an improvement. But I do think that taking a probiotic you know, is so helpful for so many systems of the body and the digestion is so the center of our health. So absolutely, um, if you need a probiotic recommendation, you can go ahead and let me know um, and I'll happily send you that. Let's see. Oh, do I recommend tracking blood sugar? Yeah, you know, I, I thought I knew a lot of, well, I did know a lot about blood sugar before I did my tracking, but I learned some really important things when I tracked my blood sugar. Um, I was really able to see in real time what was happening. There was one day where I forgot to put protein powder in my smoothie. If you listen to the podcast, you'll hear the story. We were in a rush going up to the mountains and I just, I made the smoothie. The protein powder was right on the counter. I totally forgot to put it in which I don't even think has ever happened before. And we got up to the mountains an hour and a half later, I drank the smoothie in the car on the drive. 
And I was like, what is going on? Like I started to bonk so hard. Um, and I was feeling dizzy and my energy was dropping and I was like ravenous. And I was like, what is going on? So I scanned, I had a, you know, a smartphone friendly device. I scanned it. My blood sugar was insanely low, like dangerously low. And, and I've had that feeling many times in my life, but I'd never actually tracked it. And luckily we had a bunch of snacks and things that I could eat. Like I ate a whole bunch of macadamia nuts and I ate some whole milk yogurt and I ate some smoked salmon and we had these random things. I was just like, I got to fix my blood sugar as fast as possible. And although I knew my blood sugar was crashing when that happened, I didn't know how low it got. And I didn't know like that I could fix it. And within about 20 minutes, it was back up to a healthy range and it, it was stayed that way all day. So it was really helpful. And so, yeah, I think if you have the opportunity to track your blood sugar and I can help you with that as well, um, it's something that even if you just do it for a few weeks or a month, you will come out learning a ton about your body and it's, and it's amazing. And, um, and as always, you can always reach out to me directly at my website at boldernutrition.com. You can message Tom. He can send you to me if you have questions and Tom, thank you so much for being my, my tech support today and for collaborating with me. This has been so fun. And, thank you um, too. fantastic. Wonderful. I look these again and to uh learning together and learning more about our bodies together it's it's such an important part of living and we can really we can really gain so much when we know what we need and how to mm -hmm. nourish ourselves thank you so much for joining me today on this special episode of satiate I want to send you off with wholehearted wishes for your health and happiness and that we meet here again very soon. Thanks for listening.